the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 242 Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Savages. This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom. Analyst's work you can find over at MMAJunkie.com. But on this year's program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight. Whenever you're listening to this, hopefully it's before the fight, as we have a nice little uh, little shake-up in the intro there, thanks to The Clish, Rock the Casbah. Uh, there, there we go. Now my sharing uh, uh, fair use duties are done. But yeah, we, we, we'll be breaking down UFC 242 over in Abu Dhabi. Of course, that is the main course. We'll be breaking that down from top to bottom. As per usual, uh, you can jump ahead to that breakdown marked in the show notes. Though really, uh, not going to be a lot of fat in this episode. I know I always say that, but even less than usual. And an attachment at the end, which will be Bellator 226. And the start of the Featherweight Grand Prix um, articles out at MMA Junkie for both main events and a little preview, which I'll touch on uh, as it'll be apropos when we get to the Bellator 226 portion. So it's going to go down in that order. And again, if you just want to skip everything because you don't want to listen to me, which believe me, I get and I won't be offended, you can always go to the end where I give my picks and plays at the very end of the episode. So... There's that. What's going on, everybody? How's it going? How are you? Um, <laughs> I'm doing. I'm not doing. I'm. I'm doing pretty good, uh, despite a crazy week. You know me. Anytime it's an important week, and or I've got an important, like quote unquote, off week or light week where I want to get things done. You guys know how it goes uh, if you've been listening to this podcast. Um, shit goes haywire for me, like all the time. It, it's crazy. Uh, you know. Uh, just getting over, you know, my my dog was just getting his over his ear thing, and then it flared back up. I was just getting over my ear infection, and then uh, I uh, get the uh, concussion uh, spark up dealio, which really knocked me on my ass. I was like barely useful yesterday, which was part of the reason, <laughs> part of the reason why. No, not a, a roofing nail going through my foot, um, which also happened this week. But uh, yeah, the concussion symptoms flared up, and then yeah, I. Uh, God forbid, I also got attacked by a scorpion, you know, like it cornered me in the bathroom. I know that sounds dramatic, like it was like, you know, like, like, take it, quita de la ropa, no mames, you know, no, it wasn't anything like that, folks. Seeing a little Spanish, a little Chinese last week, a little Spanish this week, I'll, I'll uh, cállate, <laughs> oh my me molesta, uh, sorry, I, I will I will keep it multilingual. Again, we we, we, we we make fun of any and all to try to keep it fair and fun as possible. I'm not going to get into that digression either. I got in a little bit of that conversation. was thinking about touching up on it, though. Uh, I won't be uh, touching on, uh, up on that too much. But no, I got attacked by a scorpion. I was in the bathroom and, uh, you know, doing what you do, I guess, in the bathroom and wrapping up and about to go to bed. And then 
uh, all of a sudden, like the scorpion just comes walking in, like the bathroom door, like corner, like trapped. I'm like, ah, oh, crap. And my slipper was on the other side of it, so I had to do this, like, I couldn't just jump over it. I had to kind of jump and make an L. And it was quite fun, and it was even like doing the reach up thing where it like tries to snap at you. Uh, but they're 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 small, thankfully. So yeah, it wasn't wasn't too bad, and, and smashed it promptly. And went outside the next day to try to find the entry point, and sure enough, a roofing nail. I specified that because they're longer than actual nails, folks. Roofing nails are going to be about three to four inches long, and um, at least some. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was rare that they stick straight up, but sure enough, went right through my slipper and into my foot. And my pain tolerance is weird. It hit something hard, and I think it would have gone th all the way through the foot because it went through the slipper real easily. Um, but I think it hit a bone because, yeah, I felt like sore. My, my foot kind of swelled up, but it didn't blow up over the night. And, yeah, and long story short, I'm okay. Got through the hurdles. Uh, I'm still technically going on vacation next week for two weeks, but don't worry. Uh, I will still have uh, breakdowns as I need to work it. <laughs> I'll still probably still be working in the beginning of next week. Till. I'll still have main event breakdowns of videos, articles, the whole shabazz at MMA Junkie for uh, Cerrone and Gaethje, and, uh, as well as Yair and Steven. So uh, my presence will still be uh, there while I'm gone, and my presence will also still be here. I got Keith Schillen. From the MMA Takeover and Loudmouth Podcast Network, and of course, uh, over there, over on the Suredog.com. Um, he's going to come on for a top five. He's a great history guy. I mean, he's actually been watching since like the single digit days. We got a fun top five topic for you. So the PYM podcast will deliver, although I'm admittedly going to be taking it light probably the week after. I'm, I'm going to come on, and even with Keith, I will probably talk about what happened at this 242 card. Talk a bit about the Cerrone card, and then the next week we'll probably talk a bit about the fallout of the Cerrone card and look ahead a bit. But it's not going to be the normal breakdowns. Maybe I'll throw in a little throwback top five to kind of cap it off, to kind of balance it out for you. So, again, two-week vacation. I say that in air quotes because, like I said, I'm going to be working on YouTube. So a bunch of features that I'm not going to bore you with. But, again, this to-do list that's been <laughs> from personal to business-wise, we're, we're getting shit done. I mean, no matter how many nails and I step on and how many scorpions I got to fight off, knock on wood as I say that. Uh, so, yeah, just just want to uh, – sorry, coming at you like a like a speed addict right now. Um, I haven't even been able to really supplement myself with uh, my quote-unquote speed, which is Four Sigmatic Coffee, even though free, free, free plug. I've been off the coffee and off the alcohol and everything, man, eating healthy. Uh, so, again – a reminder, Dan Tom is, is crazy without uh, without substances. Anyways, um, oh, CBD is helpful, though. That, that, that is that is coming to your boy's rescue right now. <clears throat> um, yeah, we're going to do a real quick Shenzhen recap now that we kind of laid the groundwork and those notes are addressed, and we will get into 240 and Bellator 226. So, so uh, the reason why I'm standing so speedy is to try not to waste your all time. Again, it's a free podcast. It's not your normal podcast. I don't promise as such, but I do. Treat it as a service, even though I also do not blame you for not wanting to listen to me. I do treat it as a service and uh, want to make sure I do my due diligence. And that I did. I actually did. Another reason why it took me too long. Long. I got, I got some pretty decent tape study. Again, I'm not going as crazy as before. I'm not combing the endless earths of the internet to get every interview, maybe every fight. Um, but, uh, but enough to get you guys takes that I feel confident about and, and can put, uh, put my name behind. So thank you. Yeah, we're definitely going to skip the uh, the Brendan Schaub note there. I just want to say I don't hate Brendan Schaub. Uh, I, I will say, you know, shout out to Jack Slocky saying, I don't know, if now, that, now that McGregor's gone, I think the worst fans there could be ones, which we'll definitely talk about that. There's definitely some truth to that. 
Um, but uh, like hell, even as I use two twenty three, and I picked Khabib. I picked Khabib like twice, you know, because he was, he was supposed to fight a couple people that that that, that week. And uh, people were just like, Khabib time, Khabib, like, relax, can I get to my fucking seat? Can we just enjoy ourselves? Yes, you like Khabib. I get it. Yes, he smashes. All right. Can we move about our day? I was going to say the second worst is like uh, Brendan Schaub fans. Like, I always lose some followers and get some flack. And um, anytime I post stuff on it, and I try not to pile on because everybody piles on them. I actually feel bad. And I even said that before. And uh, I even, and, and it was funny, I actually even defended him. I was like, hey, I, uh. Man, I was like, oh man, this guy's the probably kind of guy that pops hard for him. Bruce Lee got beat up on once upon a time Mex- uh, in Hollywood, and I explained that again. For for you can pick against someone and not hate the fighter, just just like uh, you can uh, be for a cause or have a certain ethnicity and still uh, not get offended by things. It's actually okay, people. And I was not offended uh, by the Bruce Lee portrayal. I got it. And uh, <laughs> thank shout out to Oscar Willis from the Mac Life. He actually shared. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking as a joke. I had no clue. I don't. I don't listen. Um, it's very rare unless it's a guest that I like, and I, lo- I love Joe Rogan. But unless it's a guest that I like, I don't listen to the Rogan podcast. And Oscar really shared, shared a clip, and it was essentially proving my point. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. Uh, but but again, in, in Shop's defense, I actually agreed with him there. And I'm not trying to pile on and hate people. I'm not one of those people. that's like uh, you know this whole fucking movement. Uh, let's get people fired and shit and censorship. I'm I'm against that. Believe me. Believe me, like all the shit that I say, I don't even have the money or clout or popularity Brendan Schaub. And I say bad enough stuff that it's probably costing me sponsorships and jobs already, folks. So, uh, by the way, shout out to Pimey, uh comment leader. I don't pay attention much to the comments, but I knew, uh, man, this one really erupted. I don't know if it's because of the Khabib fandom and post-Connor uh, or just uh, shouts again. People I do forgive because uh, shouts to, you know, just... You know, Arabs and, and the Muslim world kind of, you know, taking on Khabib and that connection there, albeit he's obviously from Russia, Dagestan folks. But as far as the cultural, religious, if you will, and, uh, you know, you know, uh, I don't follow uh, football or soccer, so I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not familiar with the most laws of the world, but I am familiar with, you know, being a minority and not having a, a in general, in the Western world and in the sports world. So having someone that's your guy, man, I completely get that, so... Even the people that are talking shit, and I go, I'm like, ah, oh, you know, you know what? They're from like part of the world where you know you don't stereotype where they're going to be participating. I'm just glad you know these people are paying attention and participating, man. Whether you, whether you agree or not, thank you for even just uh, engaging. Um, but yeah, uh, sorry, I'm I'm all over the place here, folks. I'm, I'm I'm stay on target, stay on target. But yeah, people are just like kind of coming at me acting like you know again just because you you can disagree or point out someone is being stupid when they're clearly being stupid not helping themselves like shop um it, i'm sorry folks it's just low-hanging fruit i don't i'm, I'm not uh but for what it's worth <laughs> i'm not trying to get the guy fucking fight. i could care less i i think his story is inspiring and in a certain way as far as going against the man going your own route uh, this is something I, I do and can relate to. So I and I've said that before, but but yeah, at the same time, Shab's going to continue to say stupid shit, and especially just like not helping himself, he keeps doing it toward <laughs> toward a, a, Asians. I know for him, my man. Uh, I don't want to say it's Victor Rodriguez or not. Man over a bloody elbow, uh, who tweeted that, and uh, and uh, he was even pointing it out too. And I always love when people of other races kind of point out the. Unfortunately, you know, there's that white guilt thing, so it doesn't count for white people. Sorry, but I always love when <laughs> other races kind of are, are, give the brotherly love to other. I think it, I think it accounts for more. I think whether we're white, black, purple, or whatever, we can all account for our own people. 
that's kind of a given, right? That's a that's a natural bias. But uh, I love I love I love people banding together and whatnot. But at the same time, don't mistake me for someone who's gonna sit there and die on hills and try to get people fired. That's not my thing. Hope that made sense. Hopefully that didn't piss more people off. But that's what that is. Uh, of course, Brendan Schaub was talking about the UFC Shenzhen card, and he was brutalizing names, which, again, I even came to in the comments and met, like, hey, you know, I, I've done that myself, and I'm usually very proud of, you know, Wushu Zhongguoren, Zhongguo Di, you know, I'm Chinese, Chinese number one, you know, Chinese power, China power, as uh, Li Jingliang says. But, uh, but yeah, I, I brutalized names really bad on that podcast, so whatever. It's all about intent, people. It's all about intent, and uh, whether someone has intent and they, they fall short, like Shab, let's, let's, just, let's all try to get a little less offended, even myself, okay? There, there, there. Let's put that behind us. Weili Zhang upset Jessica Andrade. I was on the other side of history, unfortunately. Like, I didn't want to be. And I always do this, folks. I always overcorrect the steering wheel, which probably explains my main event pick this week, which we'll get into. I always overcorrect the steering wheel a bit, and uh, sure enough, did here. But, hey, you know, it's one of those kind of like... Talking about, you know, I might have even said it actually in the breakdown with John. I know I was talking about it with John. Um, shouts to John, Mike, and Fada, who are all over in Abu Dhabi right now, by the way. Uh, I was talking about this with John, where it's like it's one of those kind of analyst curves where you get on this formula, and it's good. It makes sense if you're a pragmatic person. I don't want to say analyst formula, it's pragmatism, I guess, so, so to speak. You're not going to pick something you haven't seen yet. And we still needed to see certain things for a certain duration at a certain level on a certain stage. Well, we did, and it was really quick because uh, Willie Zhang just ate up Jessica Andrade in the clinch. Reminded me of like Henry Cejudo, Demetrius Johnson, minus the part where like you know Andrade gets a takedown. By the way, take a shot if you if you're hearing bone chewing, uh, Ben chewing his bone right now for the Protecting podcast drinking game. Um, so yeah, that was awesome. Uh, Li Jing Lang, again, I'm happy to be wrong there, although it is sad that Lisa Zaleski's de Santos' win streak died in Shenzhen. Uh, Kaikara France, that was one of the few things that hit for me as far as, you know, I, I did say that that was the safer parlay piece, even though, uh, I was picking Brazil and didn't blame anybody there and even ended up playing a bit of Brazil for sure, and that hurt me uh, in the top two. I did say that, uh, I don't know if you want to weigh them heavily on your parlay pieces. Kai Car France will be my pick for that. I do have a pick for this card for a similar spot, uh, for a similar number. Uh, and he came through. Um, Zen Hog did not happen, man. No Zen Hog after all the talk I had. So, which meant no Mazvar Evloev, sadly. Mizuki Inoue came through, which was nice. Uh, props to anybody who was on her. I was, I was just a bit scared to play. I felt like it was my bias. Again, she's got gets a lot of love to reservedly so. Uh, Song Kanan, Derek Krantz. Um, I don't have an opinion on a score for that one. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think for like a lot of these first fights too, Anthony Hernandez defeats Jung Young Park. Um, and uh, it, I was uh, I was I was watching with um, Julian Marquez, and we was just like Rogan podcast. I would probably should podcast again. Another reason why I'm setting this stuff up, uh, folks. Gonna gonna be doing some live live show deals for like pay per view cards coming up. I want to set that up, little like watch party like deals, but uh, kind of like those Rogan podcasts when you're, and I, I do this with just friends in general. Um, not trying to uh, name drop. In fact, I wasn't, I didn't reference, I, I didn't reference at all. But he, he went and went and went and tagged me so so 
I don't want to, no sense beating around the bush. But anyways, it's kind of like a Rogan podcast where like you just you're just talking about, especially you know when I get to talk, talk to somebody you know that that's very obviously educated and knows knows the subject a bit you know considering he's been in there and all. But like it's it's really nice to kind of uh, you know you, you start just talking about fight theory. It wasn't we weren't, weren't talking about the fights per se, but we were just talking about uh, just kind of going off on tangents and then would go and then something would happen and stuff. So. Uh, I, I, hey, it works for here because we're gonna get blowing through to the breakdown. So, uh, but yeah, I, I really don't have much to say on these fights. But yeah, Anthony Hernandez beats Jung Young Park. Uh, Sumaderji came through and beat Andre Sukta. Uh, Jung defeat uh, Kadis uh, Abrigimov, and uh, Demir's Magulov defeated Tiago Moises. Um, and Ms. Magulov looked good, man. Yeah, bad. Bad shot. Took the shot, you know. And he knew his Magulov was good, but thought Mo- Moises would have something, and he didn't. And uh, there's clearly, I think, a mental problem. But take nothing away. His Magulov's got skills, but uh, yeah, uh, Moises, uh, you know, mark that if you're being objective. Carolina Rosa, yeah, Carolina Rosa uh, defeated uh, Lara Procipio, and Haley Alatang defeated uh, Bat Jarrell Dana. All right, that's that's done, folks. UFC 242, all right, full disclosure, I'm actually dropping this part post after actually just like published the podcast a little bit ago. Uh, Going to break down Computer Magomedov versus Dustin Poirier. Uh, don't worry, I didn't say any, 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 anything bad, any racial slurs or <laughs> anything like that. Um, I just I just fucking went on an old Dan Tom ear beating and, and looked back at him. I can't ear beat my fucking people for like 20 plus minutes on one fight. Um, so I, I don't know. I know I typically do that. So definitely accountable, but I don't want to blame this, but yeah, I don't know if it's <laughs> hitting the head or what. I am just fucking it's like my, my speech and I listen back. It's either, I'm like bleeding into other words. It's very sloppy for somebody that wants to do and does do spoken work and wants to do more. Not, not a good look. Um, and I'm just fucking going on and on. Like, uh, like that was one of the things when we, we filmed these breakdowns, by the way, go to MMAJunkie.com. I am going to blow through this. I'm going to give you guys a shorter version, which is why I'm re-recording here. So if I miss anything, be sure to go to my breakdown. If you haven't already over at MMAJunkie.com, that's why I, I kind of love doing the uh, breakdowns with, uh, with John or, or even the uh, older format with, uh, with George to have someone kind of there to, you know, keep old Dan Tom in the, in the lines. You know, I'll start coloring outside the lines, start painting my own picture on the side. I'll get lost what I'm talking about. One thought changed to an, changed to another and sparks to another. And yeah, I'm doing the same thing now, aren't I? Aren't I? Okay. We got Khabib Nurmagomedov <laughs> as your favorite, minus 440. Poirier plus 350. A little bit of money came in there. Don't expect the line to go uh, much anywhere, though. I, it should probably close around this neighborhood. You know, it's just kind of crazy. Um, I know I get essentially I just pretty want to like win this whole thing where like I know I get labeled as a, a Khabib hater, and really you only have to pick against Khabib once to be like a Khabib hater, you know, because their fan base kind of like I, I spoke about earlier, t- touched on earlier in the episode. They're very, uh, yeah, they're not, they're not, they're, 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 uh, they're very, very strong fan base, very passionate fan base there. Um. So you really don't have to do much, but kind of like I've talked about in this podcast, even leading up to this was like, I'm leaning toward Khabib, but like, man, I'm afraid to even pick up against him because then it's like, if I pick against him, even if I have good reason, like I, as my, my, my man, Jordan Killian said, you, you're, you're wrong on the pick, but it's not like you didn't show your work. It's not like that evidence wasn't there. And in fact, the evidence that I was talking about and someone was saying, oh, he keeps harping on the same, saying the same stuff or writing the same stuff, like 
Well, I mean, what do you want me to change? Change the fact that, like, Michael Johnson defended takedowns multiple times in round two before voluntarily going for a guillotine? You want me to change the fact that Edson Barbosa, beaten and battered, was able to defend multiple takedowns in round three, along with a beaten and battered I Quinta who wasn't training for a five-round fight? I mean, like, those things happened. Like, I, I, I you know, even though I think I, I officially picked Connor to catch him early, uh, like in the round round two or something after surviving, but that was essentially the theme, like to survive the storm and pointing into those third rounds. So I don't think it was a a Kavanaugh. Uh, don't get me wrong, I'm not I'm not going out running out believing everything Connor is saying. But as far as John Kavanaugh saying it was part of the game plan, I believe him. I don't think John Kavanaugh was doing the old after the fact dance. Um, I outlined in that in my analysis too that there will be pockets if you can survive the storm. And Connor was too compromised to really do anything and put muster behind his shots at that point. But Khabib didn't do much for that third round. And, and kind of like I was saying in the pre-recorded that some of you may have heard, uh, you, you avid listeners, like you know, listen right at the, the back, kind of like I was saying there. Like It's like, um, you know, you can't even say that that fight was, and I said it poorly too, I said that fight was competitive blanketly and he did well, which was not what I meant. I said he did, it, it, the fight was competitive in parts. And I said Connor did well uh, f- when you consider how people were forecasting that fight, especially. Um, I, you know, uh, he was doing a lot of things and doing really well. Now, he, he, even in the takedown defense, now he eventually got taken down, and that's because he was, even in the stuff that he was doing that was impressive, like that single leg and stuff, like he wasn't separating in the parts where he could have. Like there are parts where he could have separated, but he almost got mount on Khabib, which he wasn't the first. Abel Trujillo did, mind you, off of a Granby roll, a Granby roll that he used three times to be successful, which is another reason why Tony Ferguson is a tough matchup for him. Um, but like, you know, like, like, like Con- Connor didn't separate. So he actually like got too high on his horse, like with the success that he was having. Uh, but he didn't take damage in the first. Uh, he takes a lot of damage in the second, right? And although the commentary was a bit selling it high, um, it, it looked bad at the end there, right? But then the third, Khabib's like pretty much got nothing for him. Connor defends two takedowns, uh, goes at him, and we got ourselves a fight again. Although he's not too tired to do anything, Khabib taking the Robbie Lawler rest break comes back strong in the fourth and puts on the dominance and and finishes him, cranks him out, right? But God forbid, like you can't even say the word, like you know, and, you know, and you know, and, and it, it, it's better. Like it's, it's better. It, it made Khabib look better. The fact that he didn't just wash him outright, right? That there was some some static that he had to deal with. If you're a Khabib supporter, you should be glad for that. If you're a fight fan, which is what we all are, you should be glad that it was, you know, it wasn't like a back and forth fight in the classic sense. Are there better fights? Of course. I'm not saying it was the greatest fight of all time. But it was a lot more fun than what everybody was predicting, which was one-way traffic for Khabib or the Connor, you know, uh, fans or even people like myself even saying, hey, you know, Connor could catch him early, even though I did actually predict for some static. But you get what I'm saying. Um, but you even say that word like the alarm starts sounding off for Khabib fans, you know, like eh, eh, eh. they're sliding down the, the fire poles, right? grabbing their fire coat. Instead of fire coat, it's all papakas, right? <laughs> like Khabib smash, Khabib smash, Khabib smash. Like again, because it's just a, it's a very rabid fan base. You unless you you say you know everything Khabib touches is gold, you, they got a problem. You got a problem. And by the way, I know I'm preaching to the, I'm not pre- I'm preaching to the wrong people because y'all listen to this podcast are educated people. But as I say many times before, I just don't go about that. Not just in fight, but just in life where it's like <sighs> and I'm not a red team versus blue team guy, granted, so I know that's just kinda how I'm wired. I'm not saying everybody should be wired like me, but God is it just annoying, just the whole um 
100% this way and conceding nothing. Like, shouts to the people. Like, there are really there are a lot of people that were really nice and very supportive from strangers to colleagues of mine, from, uh, from John Morgan to shouts to Dave Doyle, uh, are far too kind, right? Or just even just strangers. I know those were colleagues I pointed out, but even like just strangers, far too kind and all that. But props to those people who like don't agree, but were like, hey man, that was a good write up. You brought up some good points. I'm still sticking to my pick. I still think it'd be biz going to smash them, but that was like, those, those are my favorite, you know, honestly, like, because you're not like, you know, you, again, you, we all don't have to agree. I'm never asking y'all to agree with me. I'm just trying to present a different point. And, um, I do raise my hand when I'm being contrarian. I do raise my hand when I'm being biased and I'm being old Dan Tom. Believe me, I'm accountable and I, I hate my, my, my lesser qualities just as much if not more than you guys do. But I do admit those and it's okay. It's okay to admit you know, faults. It's okay to pick one person and doesn't mean you have to hate the other. I know I'm ranting here. But anyways, that's just kind of a funny thing. Um, so I was kind of terrified to pick Dustin with all these, not terrified, but, you know, scared to pick Dustin because I know that, like, man, even if it's a legitimate pick and I have reasons that I, f I would argue that I, I, I gave you all pretty, pretty, pretty good, better write up than normal this week. I really put a lot into it and I feel like I put some, some evidence there, um, to, to back my claim. Was it going to happen? I don't know. I'm not saying bet the house on it. I'm saying, uh, am I more confident than the Connor one? Yes. I kind of, like I said, in my last breakdown, I'm, I was, I'm a little, was a little more confident than I was with Johnson. Um, and I'm a little more here than I was with Connor, but that's only because these guys are, are, are proving what I'm saying. Right. I mean, even with Johnson back at UFC 205, it was more of a flyer pick, but I wrote a hell of an explanation, uh, that, that did show to be true. Uh, despite, you know, uh, Khabib coming back to win the fight. Now, if anything, that makes Khabib look great. He was able to overcome adversity of getting hit. Uh, from a guy that can knock the best of them out. We saw it with Dustin Poirier on the right night. Uh, he, he's one of the few guys to hold the win over Tony Ferguson, albeit Ferguson broke his arm in the first round. But, <clears throat> but yes, like, I, I don't see how, like, that doesn't show that, you know, okay, there is something to my analysis despite me being wrong, and you being right, the proverbial you being right, the proverbial you being a Khabib fan, should also be proud that, yeah, Khabib still overcame that, you know, despite those things happening, but... Again, you know, you can't, I'm not going to start that, uh, keep on this road because you can't win against those, those, you know, those type of minded people. But the best I could do is, is, is put, put a breakdown out there the best I could. So I did. Hopefully you all check it out. I'm sticking to my, my, my guns and Dustin uh, by third round. Uh, could happen in the fourth. That's a sexy round that a lot of people are picking. And some people are, you know, predicting that Dustin are going to win, think he's going to get it done early. I think, in fact, that might be the more common thought. I'm not sure a lot of people are looking at or aware or believe or are sold on the Khabib. Uh, not getting tired, but maybe taking rounds off. Again, like Chael Sonnen said, like I said in my breakdown, I'm not sure if human beings can wrestle for 25 minutes straight. Uh, you know, it, it, if it's physically possible, you got to take your breaks, which is why when we've seen Khabib go against, not just in 25-minute fights now, but higher-level competition, when you look at his past competition, uh, it makes sense because his competition, uh, you know, ha ha hadn't been the hardest road. I mean, yeah, you know, undefeated, but Dustin, Dustin has lost and has slip-ups. But those slip-ups, and I know it's not it's not a proverbial fighter talk here because I'm not a fighter, obviously. It's objective talk. Those are lessons. He's had to learn a lot of lessons, and he's proved that with those lessons whereas Khabib it's it's undefeated that's impressive I guess but he came into the UFC 16 and 0 he didn't come from a, a strike force or WEC granted he had some pro FC fights and there's some legitimate competition but Khabib didn't face those guys over there in Russia folks you want to know how many people in fact that Khabib fought that had a winning record of that 16 and 0 
and a winning record if we're counting over 500 as a winning record. You know how many people he fought that with a winning record out of that 16 and 0? One. And I think that's like a 2 and 0. It's like some really shitty sample size. You know what I'm saying? So go look. Uh, go look at who he was fighting. Not just on paper. Go look at the fights on Fight Pass. I mean, these were not. These were guys that were like, they had a job to do and it wasn't win a fight. And it wasn't really to be a professional mixed martial artist by the looks of these guys. Um, so, I mean, you, you, not all glitters is gold, especially in MMA, folks. Uh, you know, undefeated records don't last forever, especially in MMA, folks. How many times have we seen people that we thought were impervious from light to heavy, women to male? How many times have we seen the story? There's nothing wrong with picking Khabib here. I'm a Khabib fan myself. That's what's the most annoying thing about being called a Khabib hater. It's because I actually like went back and did more research and replaying for my own selfish reason than I did for the breakdown. Because my ass, aside from getting hit and you know, uh, uh, and reconcussed by stupid ass white belts, I'm getting back on the mats. So like, and again, I I, I really love the Dagestani style wrist control. I came from grappling from Neil Melance. I've been preaching this for ten years. I've been I've been pre- and I've been so you know preaching it as well. My breakdowns for years. One of, one of the few people that really really shout that. I love their style, folks. I really do. And that's what's annoying the most. And he deserves to be the favorite here. And there's nothing wrong with picking Khabib here, folks. He's, he's probably going to win uh, when we're looking at it from the odds. Hence what the odds are being what they are probably, right? As inflated as they are. But I'm still sticking with Poirier. And that's fine. You don't have to agree. Uh, we can all fucking get along no matter what happens. And I'm okay with eating my crow. Um, I, I always do. And I, even though it's just funny, like, you know. It's like, where are these people? It's like, you know, calling me when I'm right. or In fact, why aren't you calling me on the other fights that I'm wrong? So it really doesn't matter, folks. I, I pick way too many fights to care about that shit. I just can't help but point out how rabid and ridiculous the Khabib fan base is. But, uh, the, and again, the most ironic part is I actually love this guy's style, man. I really do. Um, but not all styles are without holes. Let's say... Is it really that unfathomable that someone can lose an MMA, folks? Like, I don't, that's the part I don't get. That just kind of shows the ignorance of some, some folks, especially not people I'm talking to here, but some of the fan base that I'm speaking of uh, out there. It's a problem with it. Like, they act like it's like, really? We've never seen someone like rocked an MMA. Although Khabib seems like a durable motherfucker. I mean, look at the size of that guy's head. I mean, just the way he's built. I I hate it because Beast Smash Beast is like about the depth of analysis out there. Uh, by these rabid fan base, but he really is built like a beast, man, and fights like one too. So I, I am not denying that. But, but yes, the pick is Poirier uh, by third round TKO, and we're gonna jump back to the rest of the podcast, y'all. Uh, anyways, we'll see, we'll see. All right, Edson Barbosa minus one fifty five, Paul Felder plus one thirty five. Uh, rematch. Uh, I, I will admit there's a bit of bias in here on this one. Um, you know, uh, again, you know. Not the name drop, but I, I did that military trip with Paul Felder back in the my, when I first signed on with Junkie in 2017, and uh, and yeah, man, I was really, really, really happy for the guy, and and, and part of me uh, always roots for him. So that you know, there, there's that. I admit that even in my breakdown video, you know, I raise my hand for the bias. We all have biases. You got to admit them when they're there. Um, so, so yeah, I, uh, that, that's my bias here. But at the same time, I feel like even if you're a Barbosa supporter and a Felder detractor, I think that you can, um, I think you can agree that as far as adjustments and those intangibles go, those got to be in Felder's favor. You know, the camp he's with the event, the advancements he's shown since their first fight, 
and so forth. Um, the problem, however, is Felder doesn't fit that typical bill of pressure fighters, especially pressure fighters who can wrestle, which doesn't hurt, obviously. Uh, he doesn't fit that bill, but he does bring pressure. It just, it wasn't effective pressure in the first fight. So he was getting, he took him very goddamn well, but he was getting pretty lit up, even though he was blocking the majority of it. Minus the shot to the balls. Um, and really like, you don't see much people, like you really had to go back, even like in decision losses, people just standing with Barbosa the whole time. Like, you know, Ninja Kawani, Felder, like those are some of the few, if you really look at who's been able to stand with them, win or lose for prolonged period if not the whole fight uh so and i i think that's the thing like you know without the the the, the repeat customers and felder's area uh, and barbo well felder was well in barbosa's sample size is that i think that most guys and rightfully so are just worried about that power and win or lose are spending that first round usually kind of adjusting to that right even if they're coming forward and doing the right things it's, it's this whole thing you got to get used to and i hope to never have to imagine that um I, hell, I, I'm just just being kicked by uh, Justin James, who maybe I don't, uh, I don't know if he's uh, on his way to the UFC soon or not, but uh, he's a name out there. Managed, he's had those just eating his leg kicks were fucking more than enough. I feel like my my muscles still remember what that feels like. Uh, but Felder knows what it feels like already, and uh, he's not going to have to worry about that. Not to have to worry about that. You know what I mean? That's not going to be a, an issue. He knows what's coming. He's got to get in there and do business. Now, now, can he? I don't know. But what I do know is that Edson Barbosa is pretty much the same fighter. Now, he's went to ATT. I'm sure there'll be some improvements there, maybe in the counter-wrestling. But I don't know if we're going to see much of a different fighter. I mean, he's pretty much wrote to be the same fighter. And he went to ATT to go train with, uh, what was it, Anderson DeFranco or something? This is this Muay Thai coach since he was like a young boy, him and uh, Marlon Marais. So, again, he's kind of going back to his roots. Those things don't tell me change. Or Felder comes from a good Muay Thai camp, good game planning camp. Um, I'm going to go with him to make the adjustments. Uh, Hal from Chicago was asking about the over. I wasn't sure about that. I think it's a safer angle. I think it's probably the safest angle of this fight if you're looking for coverage. Um, but at the same time... I know it's biased, so I'm definitely not telling you guys to do it. I will be playing Felder, and that's what I'm going to do because it's plus money, and I feel like uh, Felder is going to get it done inside the distance if he's going to win, and I think that's going to be in the third round. I don't know if it's going to be before or after the over 2.5. So I easy Derek Love. It's not a strong pick, uh, or but uh, the precise part of it or the pick itself. But yes, that is my precise pick, which is Felder actually to do it in, in round three and accumulate and push into the clinch. I know Felder's not a known takedown artist, but he's quietly a, a, a really good grappler and ground and pound may be the strongest part of his game. He doesn't get there by accident, folks. Okay. And secondly, you don't need to be a, a wrestler or a pressure wrestler to get Barbosa down. Even if you just look... It's happened in other fights too, but even if you just look at his last fight against Dan Hooker, who was far, far from a wrestler, in a very kind of similar matchup here uh, in a lot of basic ways, right? Um, they're different fighters, of course. But you, uh, you know, Barbosa was just falling down, you know, at certain points. You just, you just keep pressuring him because he's, he's always trying to shuffle to regain his footing. And you're, if you keep putting him in negative beats, he's going to tire, he's going to shuffle, he's going to misstep. Um, and I think that's what, what Felder can do to get to those dominant positions and, and, and uh, finish him off on the floor where, uh, where uh, Huka, Dan Huka, who I like as well, 
Uh, can't. All right, Islam Makachev, minus 355. I'm sorry. I hope I didn't beat your guys' ear. I'm looking at how freaking long I went with that. Almost like a half hour with just Khabib Poirier. That was ridiculous. Um, and most of it was just talking about Khabib fans and to be better. And I'm preaching to like my own fans, which are awesome. Thank you for listening. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, Davi Hamosh, come back on him, plus 295. Um, yeah, man. Uh, I like Makachev here. Again, I've always been a big fan of Makachev. I've, you know, I feel like I've been upset-minded on this main card maybe because it was the top two, although, again, I feel like they're defensible, and I do admit the biases that are there. This one, I I, I don't know. I mean, there's no, no bias either way. I really like both these guys. I do. Um, I just think that Davi Hamos, as great of a grappler he is, he's not just a jiu-jitsu guy, folks. He's no-gi, ADCC, um, fucking submitted uh, some really good names in highlight real fashion, mind you. So... Could he submit Makachev if this were a grappling match? Sure. Yeah, it'd be pretty competitive. But it's like I was kind of alluding to when I was talking about Khabib and Makachev's wrestling is that is the defensive wrestling. And specifically the risk control. Makachev is a stickler to risk control. Um, that's why I kind of reference UFC 187. I know he didn't beat anybody notable there. It was too notable, I should say. It was uh, Leo Kuntz. But, like, you know, Leo Kuntz credit. Bang Kuntz, baby. Never forget. Uh, you know, this is a scrappy dude, you know, for what it's worth. I'm not, not saying you're going to hang your head on that sample size, but it was what he did to Leo Kuntz was really impressed me uh, from the back mount and picking wrists and just doing some really cool and crafty shit to get on my radar. And uh, I just don't think Davi Hamosh is going to get him to that kind of a fight. And standing up-wise, uh, I like him better. You know, Davi Hamosh doesn't really put together combinations. Like, he will if you're hurt, and he'll have his occasional burst, but he's that burst fighter, you know? I don't like his cardio. He seems to get tired in the third round. He'll make mistakes, you know, even when, granted, he kind of just went for it against Austin Hubbard in the third there or whatever. I think that's who he fought, right? But, like, yeah, and then, but then he starts, like, you know, just doing the, that whole bad look thing, and I'm like, yeah, I could see Makachev just defending takedowns for two and cruising and picking him apart. Also, keep in mind, you know, Makachev is a, is a southpaw, so that's going to help him with his distance, his counters. Um and yeah, he got beaten by a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt with heavy hands before and Adriano Martins. But Martins is one of those dudes who will just kind of, he'll kind of pull out those wins. And and uh, when you look at it, it was, you know, it was that first lost time kind of a deal. And early on in his career, defensible. And you look at the shot, it was perfect. You know, um, I, I picked that one wrong. If you go back and read my breakdown, I was really excited for that fight. But um, did point out that, you know, it was a South, that's why I always kind of do point out is that Southpaw versus Southpaw matchups can be really tricky. You're not used to it. It comes from different angles, even though they should be more custom angles. We're not practicing that in the gyms. We're lucky if we have another southpaw in class. So, you know, Martins gets him with that check right hook, right? So, uh, you know, he's got a good right hand, Hamosh, but it's going to be coming from a complete different stance, and his strikes are much more readable. So I think Makachev kind of just cruises defending takedowns and kickboxing to a decision here. Um Maybe he can get a stoppage in the third, but I don't think he's going to pursue Davi to the ground, and Davi will survive even if he gets hurt on the feet. So, Makachev decision. All right, Curtis Blades, minus 525. Shaville Abdurahimov. Dagestani Randy Couture, baby. Um, he looked really good in his last fight. I think I picked against him, albeit not confidently, but he looked really good. I loved his level changing to left hooks and right hands and his crashing, countering right hands. But unless he lands that, the left hook really did the trick last time, but unless he really lands that really cra crashing, countering right hand, Abdurakhimov really doesn't offer much on the ground, you know? Um, it was hard to tell. I remember some of my first breakdowns that I didn't post, but that were by hand um, in like 2014 or 
early 2015, I believe, was like his fight versus Tim Johnson. And it's going back, and it's just so hard to tell because the guy only fights once a year. It wasn't the greatest sample sizes. And, uh, you know, he did the Wushu Sanda, but, you know, I assumed he could maybe do some wrestling too. But that's the dangerous thing, and I've always preached on here before, is not all these guys, especially the Dagestani guys, are all wrestlers just because they're from Russia. Um, depending on what region they're from, like especially like uh, Makhachkala, uh, another fighter from Makhachkala, which is uh, we'll talk about later, uh, Omar Ahmedov. Um, he, uh, yeah, he, uh, you know, a lot of these guys are more wushu, wushu sauna based, which is kickboxing with takedowns, but it's not an extensive ground game. That's why you'll notice if, like, Shamil even fights that he was cruising to, like, he'll take guys down, he'll go to that wrestling ride position, he'll throw a few strikes, but he's not, he'll hop off to the side, but he's not really, he's not throwing hooks in, he's not even getting half guard, and he's backing out, like, he, and when he's on his back, as we saw in the Tim Johnson fight, I mean, there just wasn't anything there. And ultimately, that's what I see here, man. Uh, unless he counters blades. I think, you know, it's heavyweight. So say what you will about blades, chin, it's heavyweight. Say what you will about his fight IQ. I don't see how he doesn't just go for takedowns against this guy. Uh, the line reflects so. So I got Curtis Blades. Um, I think round one, actually. I think he'll either round one or early round two. Late round one or early round two. Just puts it on him. All right, next fight. Boy, this one was real tough. Real tough for me. Maribek Tyson off, minus 275. Carlos Diego Fajeda, plus 235. Um, this one is not on my avoided list, but I almost wanted to. But, not, but the only reason I didn't is because there really is value on Diego Fajeda. He's who I came in leaning on this. But part of me is like, is it because he just cashed for me? And not a similar matchup, but to the common eye. Oh, another Russian guy or whatever, Dagestani guy, even though it's a Tysimov is a Chechen from lives in Austria and now is back in Russia apparently. But uh but yeah, um he you know, Diego Fayeta just came through as a big dog there because of his pressure. You know, what are you gonna do? Take this guy down. He's a third degree jiu-jitsu black belt and he's got great scrambling ability. Problem is Tysimov, even when with a layoff and missing weight, whether it was injury or something not feeling well or whatever it could have been. I was watching him real close in that fight, and then when I went back to rewatch it as well, he looked good in it, man. He looked good. He didn't tire at all. His hips were on fast triggers his, it, with, with, the, with his whole motion in mind for separations, which is what he'll need to do against Diego Fajeda. And his countering his right hand from his uppercuts, his intercepting uppercuts to overhands, which is kind of too potent. And that's what I see hitting Fajeda. Uh, Fajeda leans out of the way and likes to slip off to that side, and he kind of takes his own power away from doing that. Um, and I like his pressure. I like his camp. Safe Sayud's going to be on him, the pressure. And that's kind of the ideal you want to get Tyson off. Like, because part of me, early, early lean was like, okay, if Diego Fajeda can survive those first couple shots from Tyson off and survive that first round, maybe he can get edged two and three. But with Tyson off not looking to tire, and I, I don't know if, you know, Fajeda's, you know, deceptively heavy hands, but I don't know if he's going to, he's probably going to have to hit him with like the perfect shot kind of a thing. Oh, uh, man, if it's a close fight, I, I, you know, I feel like these scorecards are going to say Tizemoff. You know, certain these guys in the region, man, you know, Tizemoff's one of these guys, too. He's like, you go to his Instagram. He's he's not shy. He's got his praise carried off fucking pictures up there. You know what I'm saying? Um, like, when I'm, like, if I was facing these guys, I would be, I would have a, like, put it this way. If I was, fa if I was Dustin's camp, <laughs> if I was Diego Fajeda's camp, Who's Ahmed Azatar facing, especially that guy? If I'm Timu Pakalin's camp, 
Like, I'm watching my fucking drinks while I'm over there. Like, I am setting up a system where my corner man orders the food without me there, and then I eat his food, and I come up and order, and then he eats my food kind of a thing. <laughs> and even then, you know, does that way you know if the corner man gets sick, you're like, oh, some shit's up. He keeps getting sick from eating my food. Don't eat at the same time. Like, I would be going to those extents. I'm not saying anything, folks. Not saying anything. I'm just saying... If that would be my mindset going over there as fighters, I sure as shit ain't trusting those scorecards. So I wanted to even change it after I submitted it, but I picked Maribek Tysimov. I think he gets it done, either inside the distance or by decision. All right, Andrea KGB Lee, minus 235. Come back on Jawan Calderwood, plus 195. Um, yeah, I like uh, I like Andrea Lee here a lot. Um I do, you know, she a lot of baggage from her personal stuff that's going on, Donnie. Oh, man. Shouts to my man Danny Okers, who is the only person that can, one of the few people, unless I was big mouth about it enough on here, can attest that I, I called that. <laughs> I called both the. Ugh. I don't even want to say what I called. It's, it's, yeah, her situation is not, not it's, it's it sucks, but. To her defense, she doesn't seem to shy away from it. She always brings it up and references it. Um, and in her defense, again, she's a really good fighter, man. You know, it's not just a pretty face. Again, I'm not trying to be insensitive here, folks. When I bring that stuff up, I'm saying that because it's crazy because she actually just comes through and performs anyways. And she's she's a really well-rounded fighter. Um, I could see the theory on Della Rosa because that's still kind of the theory on her. It's like, oh, well, she's going to get a specialist in jiu-jitsu and pay for all these scrambles she gets into. But I don't think that's going to be the case. Um... I think Joanne Calderwood, you know, kind of like I said, I, I, you know, I know people who train at Syndicate. Uh, one of my coaches, Neil, does some coaching out of there when he can, I believe. Uh, I don't want to hate or anything. I don't know John Wood or anything, but I just, I don't know about the whole, the, you know, the, that dynamic. And then especially, like, when the guy who's supposed to be your Muay Thai coach, and I'm not sure what Muay Thai credentials or credentials he has coaching other people or fighting or Muay Thai credentials himself. But if that guy's giving you your your ground game advice, you know, when you're in positions, oh, I didn't I didn't like that. I didn't like the referring guard and like just it was kind of negative advice. Not negative as in bad like you suck Jojo. Like you know it was just negative as far as positionally. Like it was putting her in negative positions as far as advancing her to positives. It was moving her in the wrong direction. And she got lucky. She got a, a, a submission out of guard. I remember saying, like, that's probably the worst that could happen to her right there. Um, and, yeah, she fights a frustrating fight, an obstacle fight, the frustrating fight against Caitlin Chukagian. I don't like the attitude about it where she's kind of writing off. She's like, ah, I knew why there was a reason why I wasn't excited to fight her. And, by the way, I'm a huge JoJo fan. Uh, always have been. Maybe it's because Damir is a sucker for those Scottish accents. They might be. You know, Scottish accents and Latinas are my kryptonite, folks. I'll tell you. I even like the Scottish accents from dudes, and I, I ain't even gay, but, you know. Come at me with the right Scottish accent, and yeah, maybe I'll think about it. <laughs> no, but honestly, I love I love JoJo Collywood, man. I'm a, I'm a you know a big fan of hers. So if anything, there's always a little bias toward her side. So I don't mean to come off cruel, but I, I got to be objective when I'm breaking this fight down. And um, yeah, I'll just leave it there. I'll leave it there. Uh, but yeah, I just I don't know about the environment. I just. I hate saying this word fade or I hate picking someone or saying as a fade alone, but like as a fade alone, I feel like I would be picking against her in this spot. 
Then you match in the skills that Andrew KGB Lee has. She's going to have movement. She's going to have just as much, if not more, applicable variety if, on the feet. She's going to have the grappling advantage, the get-up advantage, even the submission advantage. I could even see her catching JoJo from bottom. Um, not that it would be the ideal place for her. So, yeah, I'm going to go Andrea Lee here. She is the spot that Kaikara France was in. Um, possible parlay piece. By the way, Makachev as well, although he's super inflated. So I put in parentheses next to parlays points handicap. I think Makachev points handicap, especially since I think it's going to be my decision, will be a good parlay piece to look for the day of. Andrea Lee, though, will be a, a parlay piece for me. Um, all right. Oh, I, I put a unit on Poirier plus 360, and I'm playing Felder. I'm going to throw a unit on him, but I, I'm not really going crazy with that. Not telling you to run out and play it either. And by the way, Diego Fajeda, um, it's plus 235. If it keeps going up, uh, I may uh, throw some. I think there's going to be some Tyson off money that comes in. And I rarely do this. I know it sounds like I'm being fair weather, fair weather. But again, back to your shots on Man Pie May in the comments. I do my work. I show my work. I put it out there to be scrutinized whether you agree or not. Totally cool. Anyways, so I give my reasons. I'm not playing both sides of defense to play both sides of defense. Otherwise, I'd be saying this for every fucking fight. But even though I'm picking Tyson off for all those reasons, and again, I did say the value's on Feta, I'm not going to lie. I'm staying away. I'm staying the fuck away. Aside from my main card parlay that I do every card for fun, I'm staying away from Tyson off, and I'm going to sprinkle on Feta. So, just just, just shoot me if you think that's contradictory. But that's what it is, folks. That's gambling. Um, All right. uh, Zabaira Takugov, minus 360. Leron Murphy, plus 300. This line doesn't make much sense to me. Newcomer, I don't know if he's taking this on short notice or not, but you know this guy's from the UK. Scene doesn't come as from as notable of a gym, uh, but he can fight, man. This guy's really well composed. Kickboxes, knows what to do in the scramble and grappling situations. Good ground and pound, with an emphasis on wrestling, which parlays well with his athleticism and size for the division. I mean, these guys are going to be big featherweights, big featherweights. Uh, the other fight I was referring to would be Don Madge and Ferzam. Again, big lightweights, and that Zam kid can kickbox. We'll get to that as well because those both both these fights are actually on the avoid list um, because uh, I, I wasn't able to watch all of Leroy Murphy's fights. I think I only got three of them in, and Zabayar Tuhugov, familiar with him, and also rewatched a little bit of him recently anyways. Um and yeah, and it was just wow, I was just really surprised, man. To Hugoff, he just seems like that dude. He's just that confident young fucking kid, man. Like he's just that kid that kind of never grew out of being a kid, but he's just confident and it's cocky as shit. So he's kind of been able to stay in that kid mentality. Like he's playing sports on the field, looking to kind of poke someone and tease them, and like, <laughs> come on, motherfucker, come on. Like if you're watching like a flag football game from afar, like you could spot Zavira to Hugoff, like probably doing some shit and like antagonizing somebody, you know, being sporadic or doing so. You know what I'm saying? Like he's that fucking guy, man. Man, like so like when I look at him like kind of hopping the fence and like I'm like oh yeah Tuhugov would totally do that like he lives for that fucking moment like that is Tuhugov shit and thankfully he's got powerful friends because despite crazy layoffs and being pulled from fights and that and getting suspended for USADA suspended for fucking the thing and I even suspended uh, I think Dana initially rightfully so was disgusted and wasn't going to let those guys ban them but uh, you know could be pulled to strings and He's on his buddy's card, so I'm picking. That's it. I'm picking to Hugoff here. I, I think he's going to have a movement and speed advantage over Murphy, um, and I think he's still going to be the better uh, grappler. I got to imagine that all that stuff's only gotten better. I mean, to Hugoff's been active as shit this whole time. He, that's the one thing he's been one of the more visible guys. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and pick him, but that's on the avoid list. All right, 
Uh, Liana Jojua, minus 150 versus Sarah Moore. <laughs> Morass plus 130. This is another bias pick there. Uh, this is another bias pick here. Um, I mean, but to be honest, I'm, I'm picking Sarah, you know, Extreme Couture. She's under my, my boy Dennis Davis. Shouts at the Piranha, one of the unsung uh, heroes, unheralded coaches from Extreme Couture will be out there. But Sarah's also in a must win. She came out to the media, one of the Contender Series scrums. She looked good. She sounded good, was saying, was saying the right things. Um, I think she's focused for this one. But you know, this other girl kind of relies on her power and bodying ability, too. She's not going to be as good on the bottom as Murphy, uh, or not as, as, as Morass. But if she gets on top, she's strong in the clinch. And uh, Leanna's just she's a well-built Russian girl, I'll say that. And I mean that as a compliment. Um, but I'm going to go with my girl Sarah Moore. <sighs> Morass, uh, plus... <laughs> Jesus, damn. Um, I'm going to go with Sarah here, uh... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly probably I'm honestly just sticking to my I'm not gonna have any money touching this one either probably I may sprinkle just a couple bucks for fun but uh, no again my bias I'm stating my bias here folks what else do you want I'm putting it on my avoid list what else do you want but yeah that's the uh, that's the fight for that one well, that's the fight for that one um, oh by the way props uh, for Hayda sprinkling on Fahira but you know what's realistic um, I might play it's minus 110 right now but uh Fajeda ties him off over 2.5, minus 110. I think that's very playable. I think that's uh, that's right in the middle of their lines, almost even money. Uh, I think that's a great angle in that fight. Oh, by the way, Blades Inside the Distance, I forgot to say, that's the other prop that I am playing, two units, minus 132. Jesus, I think he's getting it done. Minus 132, bam, smash that. Smish, smish, then smish. <laughs> All right, Atman Azatar minus two forty. Timu Pakalan plus two hundred. Um, Azatar, man, his uh, brother Abu. And he's got another brother who fought in MMA as well. But uh, I'm not the person to ask. But let's just say there's stories about these guys, and uh, and they run shop, man. They run shop too. They're guys you not you don't want to mess with in the street, you know. Uh, from the Jorge Masvidal leg, but uh, maybe the unseen politics, they may have some of that too. Even when I go back and watch some of this guy's fights, Ottman's fucking grabbing the cages. Dude, he like legal need got some guy like clear his day like three times. The ref wasn't calling it. Like, I don't know. And it was over uh, It was over uh, in the UAE, I believe. Uh, it was over in the Marine, the Marine, uh, Marine, maybe the Jicks, maybe. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, where's Pachalin? Timu Pachalin. Who, uh, this guy's funny. He's goofy. I remember playing him on DraftKings back in the day. Hasn't fought forever. What the fuck has he been doing? Went to his Instagram and he's doing the Instagram thing, man. You know, just looking cool. And uh, that, that worries me because that was the problem the first time. I, watched, I went back and watched like his T-ball Goody fight, which is like his second fight, right? It was his only UFC win. They're like, yeah, he's taking it more seriously this time. I'm like, when the, his fucking, he still made sure his team is all fucking twiddled, mustached out. And I'm like, okay, I don't know how seriously he's taking it. Uh, and uh, it's just, you know, looking good and well-dressed. And uh, again, folks, it, it's, it's, it, I got to make fun of the dudes too, you know. I don't, you know, it's, again, it's not just, uh, oh my God, Instagram, oh my God. It's not just girls. Like, there's a guy version of that too, folks. And, um. 
You know, I think Pac Allen's more like the hipster version, but then there's a lot of these guys like the Azatar, like uh, maybe not Otman as much, but who, by the way, it looks like he's training uh, San Jose on his Instagram, but like Abu, like those guys even, like, like he's like the, the Kaladov, like there's just, you, you always guarantee those dudes, like the, the, there's going to be a picture of them with a big watch, nice shirt, standing in front of a sports car out in the sun, maybe there's a palm tree in the background, like they live to take those pictures, man, like there's all, and I'm not even saying like, uh, again, you know, not sexist, and just to show I'm not doing a race thing with that. Uh, Nordin, well, I don't even know what race Nordin Taleb is, but Nordin Taleb is like, dude, he's like such a, a fighter dude, Instagram model guy. Like, he is all about like taking pictures with his with his with his lady. His lady's all about it too. They both got their watches. They both they got their sunglasses that kind of play off each other. You know, they got, they got their cute bathing suits that are nice and snugly. At a pool somewhere exotic, like the hard work is done. Little out and out. Now back to work, as my abs are showing. Like I love that. I'm sorry. I, I spent too much time researching these fighters, folks. And not all of it's watching fights. Sadly, it's looking at their social media accounts and like. These are the stereotypes that I see. I'm sorry. I don't know why I'm sharing that with you. What fight were you even on, Dan? Oh, uh, yeah, Azatar. Uh, I think Azatar is going to win here. Minus 240 makes me a little nervous. Um, he, you know, is, he did, is a part of a German Muay Thai team, a German Muay Thai experience before he got in MMA. But like his brother and like a lot of Muay Thai practitioners, strong in the clinch, and it translates well to his wrestling. So it's good for him. He's got good takedown defense, controlling a lot of those situations. Strikes heavy and hard from on top. But he's so goddamn reckless, like like his brother. Like I love it. Like He'll do stuff. He'll go to the body, which I like. Um, but he doesn't throw as many kicks for a Muay Thai guy and just because he loves just bullying in with punches. And Pakalin can still hit, you know. He tagged T-Ball Goody and rocked him for that finish. And Pakalin, he's got opportunistic and awkward submissions, and that's the strength of his uh, style. I got to imagine that's only gotten better. So, like, part of me is worried about laying anything or wants to warn anybody about any, laying anything heavy on Azatar just because, like, I, I don't know. He seems like the kind of guy that would just run right into a fucking submission, too. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he gets too excited. So that's my only worry. Otherwise, I could see Azatar either getting it done inside the distance or just cruising to a decision. Bilal Muhammad up next, minus 370. Takashi Sato, plus 310. Um... <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I like Muhammad here, but this fight is is uh is 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 closer than the line line reads in my opinion here. Um, I, I like Sato too. I mean, I liked him last time. Like I was, I was telling you, Grant has a different matchup against Ben Saunders. Um, but I, I like what I've seen from Sato. Uh, I just feel like the pressure, especially pressure mixed with grappling, um, could be some problems. Saw a little bit of that in the Glyco Franco fight, I believe it was, where he lost. And uh, Bilal does that. And Bilal's underrated wrestling. He hears teammates talk about it. I think we're going to see a lot of double legs from Bilal. And you look at, you know, I know he he, he lost to uh, Jeff Hands of Steel Neal, but Hands of Steel Neal is on his way up. No one wants to fight that guy. He is an overachiever for an, a guy who already looked like he had a high ceiling. And he apparently has pretty decent takedown defense and good get-ups too, which was one of the quietly quiet things that impressed me most about that fight. Uh, so I don't think you can hinge too much on that. And you look at the other Southpaws that, you know, Bilal has faced, uh, whether it's, uh, well, I know he, that was the, the opening against Joe Ban, but, you know, he still had his moments there. But Tim Means is the one that stands out to me mainly. Um, that 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 one said a lot to me. And, uh, and yeah, so, uh, you know, he's got a lot of good Southpaws to train with as well, Rufus Sport. I'm sure he's probably training with... Uh, Gerald Mearshart, GM3. 
Um, we beat also Chance Rencounter, too, who's shown, you know, again, no slouch as well. And then, of course, coming off Curtis Melinder. So, yeah, I mean, being a good striker, hitting him with a southpaw counter, I don't think that's going to scare Bilal off. He's, he's, he's been there before he's seen it. I'll take Bilal. I just can't play him at that price. That's that's too much. I will say, though, for a possible parlay piece, I put this in parentheses, just like the Makachev points handicap I'll be looking for, Bilal Sato over 2.5 minus 265. I know it's a stupid high number, but really... I don't know if I like Sato enough to play him, and if you're not going to play him, and you're you want to play Bilal, but that number's too high, and you're doing, you know, you're you're, you're a madman who does this stupid game of parlays, which I do as well. Um, then yeah, I mean, I feel like that could be a piece for you and a safer angle on this. So I, I wrote that in parentheses. All right, next fight: Muslim Salikov plus one hundred, Nordin Taleb minus one twenty. That line, of course, made me, and I'm sure many want to look at Salikov, but the reason why that line is what it is and and hasn't changed yet. Probably because, yeah, I mean, Salikov not just uh, being overrated and coming over and seeing what he did, but what he did was by a guy who's not that consistent himself, which was Alex Garcia. And against the Taleb, who Taleb's pretty decently consistent. He'll drop the ball here and there, right? But um, for the most part, beats who he's supposed to beat. Uh, more importantly, Taleb comes from the same camp. He's going to have that same game plan. And he will take strikers down. Um, and play his advantages, even if the striker doesn't look like he is that imposing. Like, uh, what was the Walter White, little boy Gustafson-looking guy? Um, fucking hell. Um, Goddamn. It's going to annoy me. I'm going to go look him up now. I think I even picked him, too. I took a flyer on him. Uh, but he got knocked out by Danny Roberts. Um, who the fuck is that guy? Sorry, folks. I'm going to... Stop screaming at the podcast. I'm going to it. I'm going to it. I'm going to it. It was uh, ooh, Oliver Enkamp. Wow, that was a while ago. Yeah, Oliver Enkamp. He went for takedowns there. And more importantly, you know, he does the Muay Thai training at Tiger Muay Thai, so he's going to be training with a lot of good strikers. And, and Muslim Salikov kicks. who throw naked kicks. And although he won't throw it lazily, as some of the people that Nordin Taleb made pay, but Nordin Taleb does make people pay for kicks, man. That's one good thing he does. Body kicks and leg kicks. If you throw him in a single, he will catch it. He will counter you. Um, so, I mean, between that, being be, having striking counters to offer on the feet uh, that are pretty reliable, game plan, and, and one to follow at that. I got Nordin Taleb here. I don't know if I'm going to play him. I actually could see maybe money coming in on Salikov and people taking that shot with the way the layout is on the board. So we'll see where that line goes. But uh, I may sprinkle on it for fun when it comes on to the time. But nothing, nothing, uh, nothing I can really... Uh, Nothing I can really give you here. All right, next fight. Um, Omar Akhmedov, still your favorite, minus 115, but money coming in on Zach Cummins, now minus 105. Uh, I was able to sprinkle on him at plus 100. That's right. I am picking Zach Cummins. Uh, I feel like I've always picked this guy as a dog, and then when I don't pick him as a dog, that's when he comes through for all the reasons that like I would stay picking him on the fight before. So I'm going to try to fall out of that trapping, especially because Zach also has been in middleweight for the most part of this recent win streak. So uh, I like that for him because when I first was watching Zach Cummings was on like HD Net when he was fighting like Ryan Jimmo, rest in peace at like 205, you know. So that's a big dude. Uh, whereas Akhmedov used to fight at welterweight too, still a big dude for welterweight. Um, and, you know, I, I still, you know, T Tim Bosch didn't fight great. Uh, the cornering, I like Marcus Davis, but wasn't, you know, the best. And Bosch didn't seem to be in it, man. So, um, but that being said, all those things being said and Bosch being down two rounds and having his nose caved in, 
that third round was still alive as shit, and we still saw Armaimak made off fucking clock, habitually clock checking. Um, I don't know if he gets Zach Cummings down, but Zach Cummings is a dangerous guillotine, so I don't know how much he's going to be shooting, especially if he's tired, right? So I actually like the Zach Cummings pressure. He's never been knocked out before. He's been rocked. He takes a lot of damage. Those cross-hook continuums will keep coming coming forward or off the counter from Makhmadov, and they are heavy. But again, he's never been knocked out. Give me the durable southpaw who can wrestle and come forward with the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. Um, money went on, came in on him for a reason, so hopefully that comes through for us, huh? Uh, all right, um, Don Madge, lastly, minus 160, Fars ZM. I was like, why is this line so low? Let me go look at this, uh, and and sure enough, that, that's why. Because this guy, Fars ZM, K1 European kickboxing title and some other some other accolades there. Like this dude, this dude can fight. He looks pretty good. So, um, so yeah, that's uh, that's that's probably that's probably why that is. And with Madge, I mean, he's a madman for a reason. He's crazy. Uh, he's really good at striking, kickboxing, Thai boxing as well. But he's also got some jujitsu, man. He's trained jujitsu for a while. Trains his wrestling because he's a striker, and uh, it's just he's so wild. Like when you see him in, gr in ground exchanges, he usually scrambles or ends up on his back, and they're back and forth things. So he's, he admits it himself. He's going for the first round finish here. I like you know how he sounded in his interview uh, on a podcast I listened to this week. But like, um, I think it was unfiltered where he was on that one. And um, but he says he's going for the first round finish there. But this is a heen guy. Looks like he can fight, man. He looks like he stays in shape year-round, too. Uh, a lot of those kickboxing guys do because they're fighting so goddamn much. So, um, man, I, I, for that, I'll pick Madge, but I don't think I'm going to touch this one at all. It's on my fights to avoid. All right, I will recap the picks and plays for this one at the very end, but we're going we're gonna to touch on some Bellator. They got some lines out. Uh, Bellator 226 uh, starts the featherweight Grand Prix, but it's headlined by Ryan Bader, Czech Congo. Bader minus 380, Congo plus 315. Um, speaking of fighters, Joe Rogan goes goo goo gaga for right. Check Congo. How about how about check? Um, yeah, I, I, I like Bader here. I think he's gonna wrestle. Uh, I think he could get a finish toward the end if, if as long as he manages the pace right. If he can get uh, Congo away from the fence because Congo works really well from the fence, whether offensively or defensively, getting back to his feet. But I see him pressing against the fence and getting takedowns, beating him up, making him look AFK from the keyboard, uh, and avoiding some some a few scares here and there for a decision win. Again, with the caveat of a late stoppage, full breakdown up on MMA Junkie, and we got the aside from Gaston Bolanos, who I'll take over whoever Daniel Carey is. Just, I didn't even bother looking at who he was; just seemed like Bellator matchmaking. So I submitted for my pick. Rest of the main card is filled out with four featherweight matchups that comprise the first half. Of the Grand Prix. I gave some thoughts there on Junkie. My article there with the Dark Horses. And essentially just props to Scott Coker, man. Again, with the ranking system that we've long questioned. We're always scratching our heads about. To the rigorous freaking year-round schedule that never stops. It's, it's hard for contenders to break through. That's why I love tournaments. That's why I love Grand Prix. You know, you give these guys a chance to get matchups they wouldn't have otherwise had and it allows other fighters to either build themselves build their names back up rejuvenate it or share their said inherent value with the fighter who they're sharing the ring with or cage with so i love it and with me not doing much bellator study until recently having to cover them these past couple of years it was just you know, Coker's quietly built up this roster, man. It's really impressive, you know? It's quietly, I dare say, it's on its way to becoming an embarrassment of riches of some sorts, at least the featherweight division. It's really fucking stacked. Um, 
Daniel Strauss is a big favorite over Compost, which is kind of crazy. But then again, you see Strauss coming back from what he came back from. And then, you know, knocking down a big 155-er. Um, and then getting his grappling on. Yeah, I think he can get Compost there, who's been on the wrong end of a bunch of, you know, TKO losses. And was almost TKO'd a couple times at Sam Cecilia fight, which is why he lost on the split decision. Um, and Sam Cecilia went in that fight with one knee. Shouts to him, by the way. Um, so yeah, I got Strauss there for that. Uh, Adam Borks minus 140. Uh, Pat Curran plus 110. Close for a reason. I mean, Pat Curran's a spoiler. I mean, he really is that veteran test. Adam Borks kind of had one. I mean, it was a big step up for what he had when he went to fight Jose Ronaldo Silva. Uh, and just looked great there. Uh, the opportunistic submissions, like riding, wrestling, like just, just the, the rear naked choke he locks up in that fight is awesome, man. Like, you can't rest with this kid for a second. He's like a cyborg. He really has that Fedor-like instinct. When people would f compare Fedor like a cyborg, like he would just process, even in a bad position, on his back goes for an armbar. Like, I don't throw that that often, that lightly, but Adam Borks has that, and it's crazy. Like, and I love that he comes from karate and embraces Muay Thai because he's got that leaping in-and-out explosion, that pinpoint accuracy, that preternatural sense of range, but yet he attaches it to the power strikes of the art of eight limbs. I mean, how do you not love that? Um, flying knees that rival Taiwan Claxton, who we'll talk about here next. But yeah, I got Adam Borgs there. I wouldn't, again, don't be surprised if he's your last man standing, but he's not my pick. I think on this side of the bracket will be won between by the next matchup, which is Emmanuel Sanchez, who is the deserved favorite in minus 195 versus Taiwan Claxton plus 160. I'm actually going with Claxton here. Sure, there's definitely a bias, you know. Um, I've been told about Claxton since before he came on the scene because he trained with uh, Neil over there in South Florida at Black Zillions. Um, Black Zillions depart. Now it's H Kickboxing 365. Taiwan Claxton went back to Ohio where he kind of constructs his own camps. He's got boxing coaches, jiu-jitsu jiu coaches, but his MMA and ground coach um, is Neil Melanson, the, the guru. Same coach as mine, so there's a bias there, but... Not just a bias, man. Neil style really does work well with wrestlers. Uh, and Claxton, man, he's a two-time NCAA qualifier at a top 10 ranking when he was wrestling at OU, even though he was uh, only Division II to start off his wrestling collegiate career. He is a powerhouse. I mean, a lot of these guys are well-built, so it's hard to say. I mean, Emmanuel Sanchez has been 76-inch reach. Uh, some decent height. Borg's got some decent height. But but Claxton is a fucking brick shit house at 5'8 with a 74-inch long arm reach, man. Uh, it just sucks that he goes against one of my favorites, one of the most toughest guys, one of the few guys with a longer reach than him, a guy who's not been stopped or submitted, that is Emmanuel Sanchez. So that's why I say the winner's going to come out from there. Emmanuel Sanchez is the deserved favorite, no disrespect to him, but I did pick Taiwan Claxton, and I am going to probably sprinkle a little bit, but nothing just for fun, just to de de degenerate. I like Claxton, man. Uh, Neil not only has a good history of working with wrestlers, like I said, but those wrestlers also do well in the tournaments, and putting those three things together, well... Uh, Michael Chandler, you look at Michael Chandler, he did pretty well in a tournament, tournament of memory serves, did he not? Especially coming in as a relatively unknown, undefeated with a low record as well, did he not? So there's a lot of themes there, uh, a lot to like. Uh, again, Borix, Claxton, it'll probably be a lot of too soon at the end of the day, no matter how far they get, but I would love to see those guys go all the way, and they have the skills to do so. They have the skills to upset. The difference, though, with Borix and Claxton is that that wrestling is going to be a problem. I mean, to Aaron Pico's credit, he showed that, that that's how you got to beat Borix there. Um, you just can't slip up because uh, he's not going to give up. He's going to keep spamming you and attacking you. 
uh, Borks will. But yeah, I got Claxton here. I think he's going to wrestle Sanchez. And Sanchez's jiu-jitsu is really going to test him. Sanchez is a, is a legit black belt, folks. All right, Pedro Carvalho, minus 350. Sam Cecilia, plus 260. I was leaning towards Cecilia. Carvalho, I, I've overlooked him before because he's just so easy to overlook on paper. Again, I don't have time to get too into all, a lot of these Bellator fights when I do the picks, so I'm not admittedly doing you know in-depth tape study by any means. And then I got burned last time, and then I was almost going to burn myself again, went and looked at Carvalho because originally my Dark Horse article was going to be... Um, Borix, Claxton, and Sanchez, even though they're facing each other, I was just going to... But I'm like, you know what? They're facing each other. I could just tie it in kind of to one article. I give love to Sanchez in my article as well. And I'm going to write about this Carvalho cat because he, he's crazy, man. He's like the Portugal Paddy Houlihan. I mean, he looks like Paddy Houlihan out there. He's just sporadic, spazzing, fighting from either stance. He'll go for a back take, go for a takedown. He'll get back up if you take him down. He'll attack off his back before he gets, tries to get back. He's, he's just a sporadic wild man. Um, so unless Cecilia can just really knock him out and knock him on his ass, and I think the only TKO stoppage, I think, is like a DQ, and the rest it's like early on in his career. He's really looked like a better fighter since going over to SPG, which was the only reason I thought he was getting this rub. Because, um, you know, we see a lot of the SPG fighters in Brave or Bellator and whatnot. But, no, um, Carvalho's got some skills. He's going to be a guy that a lot of people are going to overlook, like I and, and I'm sure many of his past opponents did. And then they're in a... Uh, a nightmare of a guy that just doesn't slow down. And I think he's probably just going to outpace Cecilia if he doesn't get knocked out. So, yeah. And, of course, I got Blanos over Kerry. All right. Sorry it was a long one, folks. Sorry I did a pretty much a half-hour talk on, like, uh, Khabib and um, Dustin Poirier there. So, hopefully I didn't beat your ears. Um, and no one is offended because that was the whole point. We need to just be less offended and more like you guys, the people who listen to this program and the majority of the people who comment on my articles, uh, y'all are fucking awesome. I don't deserve you. Um, I don't deserve the kind words y'all say. Uh, even even the negative words, those are welcome too. Thank you for reading. Thank you all. And most importantly, thank you to you to you people who can disagree and can still pass a compliment. Because that's okay. We don't have to agree with each other, folks. It's totally fine. It's all good. So recapping from the top. I'm taking Khabib Nurmagomedov. I'm taking, no, I'm taking Dustin Poirier over Khabib Nurmagomedov. I'm taking Paul Felder over Edson Barbosa. I'm taking Islam Makhachev over Davi Hamosh. Taking Curtis Blades over the Dagestani Randy Couture, Shamil Abdurahimov. Taking Maribek Tysimov over Carlos Diego Fajeda, although I'm not confident in it, although I'll probably be sprinkling on Fajeda. Taking Andrew KGB Lee over Jojo Joan Calderwood. Taking Zubaira Tugov over Lerone Murphy. Taking Sarah Mordas over Liana Jojua. Taking Otman Azatar over Timu Pakalan. Taking Bilal, remember the name Muhammad, over Takashi Sato. Taking Muslim Salikov, or taking Nordin Taleb, I should say, over Muslim Salikov. Taking Zach Cummings over Omari Ahmedov. Taking Don Maj over Fares ZM. Bellator. Taking Ryan Bader over Czech Congo. Taking Daniel Strauss over Derek Campos. Taking Adam Borix over Pat Curran. Taking Taiwan Claxton over Emmanuel Sanchez. Taking Pedro Carvalho over Sam Cecilia. Taking Gaston Bolanos over Daniel Carey. Uh, only thing I played on Bellator, I sprinkled a little bit on Claxton, but my money where my mouth is, but not enough because I love uh, Sanchez as well, and that's going to be a tight fight. Uh, but my plays 
for UFC 242. Uh, Andrea Lee, parlay piece I'll be using, also will be looking out for that Makachev points handicap and perhaps maybe even using the Bilal Sato over 2.5 at minus 265 as a leg. Straight plays, got to put my money where my mouth is with Poirier, uh, one unit plus 360 at those odds. Uh, through a unit on Cummings plus 100, we'll see if he comes back down to dog money. Uh, through a unit on Felder plus 135, you don't have to follow me off that cliff. There's bias on that pick. Again, I'll probably also be sprinkling on Fajaya. Uh, no straight plays outside of those dogs. Props. Uh, Taleb Salikov under 2.5. I didn't talk about that on the breakdown. I don't usually play unders. Taleb Salikov under 2.5 um, plus 140. I think Salikov either gets the opportunistic knockout or, or Taleb can knock him out with some ground and pound or a kick counter. So I actually took a uh, 0.5 unit shot on that. Sorry, I didn't talk about that in the breakdown. That's why you listen to the end. CDA versus Tysonov over 2.5. I may sprinkle on. That's only minus 10 for Carlos Diegafeva and Tysonov to go over 2.5 rounds. I did dip heavy two units on blades inside the distance. Minus 132 all over that chalk. On the avoid list to Hugoff Murphy, Madge Zium, and Morris versus Jujua. All right, folks, thank you very much for listening. Uh, hopefully it was uh, it was painless, and we're going to try to keep these even speedier as this service comes. It's going to be a two-week break, but we'll be back hitting you with contact next week with a back and improved show in two more weeks. Until then, enjoy the fights. Enjoy all the shows this weekend. Good luck on your picks and plays, and always protect your best.